everyone, this is Linda Young, OG voice of Frieza, Dragon Ball Z, voice of Genkai, Yu Yu Hakusho, voice of poorly Yusuka, Tale, and more. <laughs> Excuse me for interrupting, but this is Lord Frieza, voice of Linda Young. You are listening to the I Know You Hear Me podcast with Flynn Hendricks. Wow, I am so sorry, but Frieza is a control freak. Enjoy the podcast. Are you needing some decals made? Maybe some vinyl or monograms? Then you need to go check out my wife's Etsy shop at Decals by Kins. That's K-Y-N-S. Go over to Etsy.com slash shop slash Decals by Kins and you can check that in the show notes as well and see what she's done for other people and see what she can do for you. And I'm speaking from experience here. All of my water bottles, my protein bottles, they all have something that she's printed and put on there and those things last. So if you need something like that for a gift, for your family, for your kids, or even for yourself, go check out what she can do for you and as a special treat for my listeners if you use the promo code Flynn that's F-L-Y-N-N she's even going to get you 10% off your order now you can't beat that so go check it out and see what she can do for you and I know you hear me welcome back everybody to another episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast with me Flynn Hendricks and today is going to be a very special episode we're going to change the format up just a little bit And we're going to be visiting an idea that I have floated on this show very early in 2022, around the near the finish line of season one, getting into the start of season two, I had mentioned the idea of starting a podcast called Wrestling with Hypotheticals. And today, we're going to be giving you one of those episodes. So I guess you could say, I Know You Hear Me presents Wrestling with Hypotheticals is what today is going to be called. But... Before we get into all that fun stuff and we start breaking down what might have been, what I've got to ask you to do is if you haven't already, go get subscribed on your preferred podcasting platform. Whether it's Google, Apple, Spotify, you name it, I'm there. So is my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt. Both podcasts are available on all podcasting platforms. So if you're looking for a spooky fix as we get closer to Halloween, go check out Tales from the Haunt and see what all goes into being a scare actor what all goes into being in a haunted house and what it takes to run a haunted house, just go check that out and get your fix because Halloween's right around the corner and it's time to get spooky. But before we go any further with that, here's the next part of what you gotta do. After you get subscribed, you've gotta leave a five-star and a written review if you think we've earned it. Do it. That helps the algorithm and helps us more than you realize. And then from there, go get subscribed on all of our social media platforms. Like, share, follow... All of that helps us, and we want to get connected with you guys out there too, so don't be afraid to throw us a like and see what we got going on. And from there, this is the fun part now. We want to see you show your support. We've got merchandise available. We've got Flynn shirts. We've got podcast shirts available. We've got swag for you, and we want to see you showing your support for these podcasts here. And we've got information on how you can do that in the show notes too. If you want to purchase from us directly, we've got information on how you can do that. Or if you want to get it from my Pro Wrestling Tea store, I've got information on how you can do that in the show notes as well. But once you get that apparel, take a picture, tag us in it, and we'll give you a shout-out on social media and on the podcast. Everybody wins, right? So what we're going to be talking about today is what might have been with some pivotal moments in professional wrestling. And to help me break this down a little bit further, I've got a guy that you've heard on here quite a few times. You heard him on... The very first episode, he actually interviewed me. You heard him on the United Pro Wrestling Anniversary Show. 
This guy, man, I think I've known him over two decades now, which makes me feel really old. But you know him, you love him. It's my pleasure to have back on the show Chris Rucker. Chris, tell everybody a little bit more about why you wanted to start this podcast and where this idea came from. So I've been floating this around in my mind, which is a terrible place to be. And with you discussing the things that have happened over the years in wrestling and thinking, what if things were a little bit different? What if things were done differently? What if certain people decided they weren't going to go from the WWF to WCW or vice versa? What if everything was different and how that would change the landscape of professional wrestling as it stands today? I think we could call that, I don't know if the body slam effect or the butterfly suplex effect would be effect, would be you know accurate, but you know, one thing changes, the entire landscape changes. It's and it's really just a fun hypothetical thing of what could have happened and what wouldn't have happened if this event or this person had not have made the choices that they did. So it's really just us kind of I don't know, armchair quarterbacking would be the right word, or it's, just hindsight being twenty twenty. And it's it's a little bit of both mixed in with basically how we would do things differently, but we're throwing it out there as hypotheticals and this is what we think would happen. This is how we feel would happen and going from there. I love it. I love it. So let's get into the topic here. Um, as we're recording this, this guy is still pretty topical and, you know, unfortunately we just lost him. Uh, rest in peace, Scott Hall. But what we're going to be talking about is how pivotal Scott Hall's jump to WCW was and all these things that wouldn't have happened and maybe could have happened on the other side had he and Kevin Nash not jumped from WWF to WCW and started the NWO and the Outsiders. So, you know, first and foremost, I kind of just gave one of the answers right there. Had he not jumped, Kevin Nash wouldn't have gone to WCW. There would have been no NWO. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of other things that wouldn't have happened too, but you know, that was probably one of the most pivotal things that happened in wrestling in the 90s. And that's still something that we talk about today. Well, we still talk about it because of just how it changed the game. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we talked, you mentioned Kevin Nash not going. Kevin Nash went to WCW because Scott Hall got a guaranteed contract mm -hmm. with fewer dates. Fewer dates and more money. Fewer dates, more money, guaranteed money. That was his. Yep. And they go to WCW and make a landscape-changing move. Because if not for that, we don't get Hulk Hogan becoming Hollywood Hulk Hogan. We don't get the NWO. We don't nope. get the Crow Sting. There's so many things that Scott Hall had a hand in just by making that move. We don't get. We also don't get the force change of the WWF moving away from the you know more cartoonish occupational gimmicks, and we don't get that transition into the Attitude Era as well. There there wasn't that kind of instigator to push Vince McMahon to make those booking decisions to make WWF more raw and more real and to, you know, blur the lines a little bit. Exactly. And you can make the argument then that as a result, pro wrestling doesn't become the sensation it was in the late 90s, early 2000s. Absolutely. One, I mean, 100% true because with what this guy did, you still, like... You still see the NWO shirts today. That's still one of the biggest selling t-shirts that WWF has. You still see people at conventions wearing them. You still see people, even in wrestling, throwing up the two sweet. 
It, I mean, it, he was just so instrumental in all this. But, you know, when he passed, one of the biggest things that kept popping up about him was that he was just cool. Yeah. He made wrestling cool. I mean, this guy showed up again on WCW TV in a Canadian tuxedo. Denim, you know, denim cut-off vest, jeans, and he made it look cool. Anybody else looking at it, you'd think was like a dollar store Alan Jackson ripoff. Who else could do that? Walk through the crowd like he did. Interrupts a match. The match just stops. Mm -hmm. They they stop. They go to the back. He takes over the show and has the crowd in the palm of his hand. Yep. Just by showing up. Yep. And it just, again, doesn't say his name. Doesn't say Razor Ramon. Doesn't say Scott Hall. He just says, you know who I am but you don't know why I'm here. And it's the delivery. Yep. He did the delivery in a Razor-esque yes. manner. But you don't know why I'm here. And I mean, it just, it's something that still gets talked about today. And it just broke the mold of what we were used to seeing because, you know, people knew that, or they thought they knew, this is before the internet. You still had like typed up wrestling dirt sheets that you had to subscribe to, but... Nobody knew for sure if he'd really left WWF or, you know, if he was really there and Vince McMahon sent him. You know, exactly. nobody knew. Exactly. And, and some of that's on WCW for doing a good job of presenting that. Absolutely. Credit to Eric Bischoff on that. That was a great presentation. And getting to what you said about the internet, with the internet not being a thing, we don't know instantly what this is. It's that it's that shock value. Absolutely. You want to tune in next week and see what happens. You They kind of leave you with a cliffhanger so that you count down that six days until the next show airs and you get right back in there with him. Exactly. You did not want to miss it. Absolutely. So, one of the... <clears throat> there's a heavier side of this that I want to pick apart here in a little bit, but one of the first things that I want to get to about this isn't even, like, the guaranteed contracts that the boys got, but it was the rejuvenation of Hulk Hogan's career. Because it's been very known, and Hulk has even said it himself, that he got very stagnant in the red and yellow. It happened in WWF. He left. He had a brief little flurry of, you know, a resurgence when he came to WCW. But people were tired of the red and yellow Hulk Hogan. Had this not happened, and had Hulk not seen what, you know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were doing, he may never have, you know, gone from the ultimate good guy to the, the Hollywood Hulk Hogan heel and revitalized his career with the black and white. We may uh -huh, not well, even be talking about him in the same vein today. No, and you can look at the red and yellow. It was it had a resurgence when he went to WCW because yep. it's just it's brand new. It's like whoa, WCW just got Hulk Hogan. But a couple of years into that, it's the same old thing, and it's been the same old thing for then the better part of ten years. Ten years, and it's just it's boring. It's dull. Yep. It just it wasn't working, and. He probably is out of the business, 96, 97, yep. and done. And instead, we get one of the best heels of all time. Absolutely. As a result of it. And that's a, that's a rare thing, just speaking from experience, too, where you have somebody that is just so good as a babyface, which, for those who may not know, is the, the good guy. And then also being one of the top heels or villains in the wrestling business being able to do both, and I mean, let's not underscore the fact that Hogan was a heel before Vince McMahon uh, and Vern Gagne, but, well, Vern Gagne first, but, you know, he was a heel for Vince McMahon's father back in the late 70s, early 80s, 
working against Andre the Giant as the babyface, and he and Hulk Hogan had Freddie Blassie as a manager. That doesn't really get talked about too much, but when he went back to Vern Gagne in the AWA, he became a babyface. He got the part in Rocky Three, and that's where Vince McMahon got back. You know, he got back on Vince's radar, and Vince hired him. You know, lured him away from Vern Gagne. Yeah, and you know, going back to that heel character, he wasn't. Hulk Hogan then. So he wasn't that larger than life personality. Say your prayers, take your vitamins, you know, what you're going to do, brother, none of that. You know? So then when you have him turn on the crowd, like he did, it was so life changing, game changing. Yep. I mean, you could tell because it's something you don't see today and which thankfully so, because somebody could seriously get hurt, but you see the garbage being thrown in the ring at these guys Coke bottles, beer cans, whatever it may be, you see all this stuff just raining down on the ring. That was the ultimate epitome of heat. And those people, even though he may have gotten stale and stagnant, those people were hurt by him turning, especially, you know, like all the Make-A-Wish stuff he did, all this charity and goodwill stuff he did. You know, he was willing to make that change to rejuvenate his career. And then you see the success that it had. The, the bet paid off. It did. And you could see the kids when he turned with tears running down their mm-hmm. faces and then he joins the NWO and now the kids are crying and all the merchandise is being burned. Yep. All the toys, all the shirts burned, thrown away. Yep. Just... And the thing is this character that he did here, he wanted to do after WrestleMania six when he lost to ultimate warrior. But I think the key reason why it may not have t- taken off and gotten the steam that it did here is because he selfly he's admitted it that Scott Hall taught him how to be cool. Yep. And if he didn't have somebody like that to play off of or a Kevin Nash to play off of back then, it would have been something completely different. It wouldn't have worked, honestly, back then because he didn't have the people to play off of and it was a different time back then. He was able to do a lot more in 96, 97 than he could have ever done after WrestleMania 6. Absolutely. And I mean, with that too, you wouldn't also have Dennis Rodman Carl Malone, Jay Leno, you wouldn't have all these huge celebrities getting involved in wrestling and then having these pop culture mainstream icons involved where it brings all these new sets of eyes in that want to, you know, want to see what is Jay Leno going to do in a wrestling ring or what is Carl Malone or Dennis Rodman going to do? Like, you know, just capitalizing off that and it all starts because of Scott Hall and Scott Hall helping Hulk Hogan be cool as the heel. You know, it just it all comes back to Scott Hall. Yeah, Scott Hall's the the catalyst for all of that. Absolutely. And I mean, it just, he cemented that. But then not only that, he helped, like you mentioned, Kevin Nash get these, you know, guaranteed contracts. And then, you know, what does Vince McMahon do? He has to start offering guaranteed contracts. Mark Marrow gets his first one, or if you want to, it's debatable, but Hulk Hogan claims he had his first guaranteed contract back in 83 for a 10-year deal. Which ultimately that did play out, but you know it's 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 debatable. But everybody tends to recognize Scott Hall and Kevin Nash as getting the first two. Mark Merrow gets his first one from WWF, and then you know it's just guaranteed from there. Bret Hart too. Yep, Bret Hart's was the big one. Absolutely. But I mean, just looking at it and looking at the eyes that it got on uh, on WCW as a whole. It not only did that, it not only helped Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash and everybody that got associated with the NWO, 
but it also helped the guys in the back because a lot of these guys were in the wrestling world. The ego was very fragile. People are very insecure and sensitive. And it made a lot of these guys step their game up. And not only that, Scott actually helped some of them develop some very iconic characters that are still active in the world today. Like, I think you know who I'm talking about. Who might that be? That'd be Sting. Yeah. Had, you know, as the Surfer Sting character was getting, you know, stale and stagnant, similar to Hulk Hogan, with the NWO running rampant in WCW, Scott Hall made the pitch, you know, hey, have you ever seen The Crow? What if Sting became like The Crow? And it was, that was brilliant storytelling too. And, you know, if not for that, Sting's career is probably over around the same time, 97, maybe 98. And that Crow character allowed him to continue wrestling today. Absolutely. I mean, he's still at, was it 62, 63? 62. Man, I can't even imagine doing that at that age. But he's still jumping off balconies through tables. Through tables, yeah. Oh, man, I just that blows my mind. And he thought his career was over. But, you know, again, you go from a guy with a rat tail and very bright, vibrant, ultimate warrior-esque paint to this pale-faced, black paint, brooding character that just hangs out in the rafters or drops down with a baseball bat and starts laying people out. You get the whole, is he with us? Is he against us? You, you get all that... And it's all thanks to Scott Hall. And then, of course, Steve Borden, the man behind the paint, being able to pull it off so well. Yes, and then adding another character to this, Macho Man Randy Savage. Yep. Randy Savage got his career rejuvenated for a few more years when he joined the NWO. Yes, sir, he did. He sure did. I mean, and Macho Man was almost always the epitome of cool, whether it was, you know, like the bright, vibrant cowboy hats and the, the crazy get-ups he got there, or even after the NWO run had, you know, done its deal, you know, you still get the the revamped Macho Man in the tight spandex tank top, tight leather jeans. Just, he was the epitome of cool. But getting him in there too, and then going back and forth with the real life tension between, you know, Savage and Hogan, you build off that, and then you have Savage join the NWO, and you get that as part of the DDP angle, which led to one of DDP's most favorite matches, where he's the first guy to get a to get any kind of offense against the the NWO. They think he's joining them. He drops one of them with a diamond cutter. You know, like, again, all thanks to, you know, Scott Hall and his, his great wrestling mind. Exactly. And, you know, going into it, he also helped Chris Jericho. A yes. A great deal. Absolutely. You know, Jericho got a win over Scott Hall when Scott Hall's at his hottest. Yep. Huge win for Jericho. Absolutely. And again... Did that loss hurt Scott Hall? Nope, because he knew how to do it and he know how to knew how to make it make sense. No, and it's the whole theory that you can make you can do just as well with a loss as you can with a win. Yep. Very very true. But the thing is is had Scott Hall not gone to WCW in 1996, we probably would not be talking about any of this. Had Vince McMahon let him have less dates and more money or had the vision of him moving up the card or even let him work those Japan dates and let him be home more, a lot of this stuff wouldn't have happened. But I also have to wonder, too. <clears throat> told you it was coming. Jeff, forgot to edit that out. <laughs> um, had that had that not happened with his jumping WCW and Vince allowed him to do all this, would his demons have come to light in the way they did 
and would his addictions and struggles have gotten to him the way they did where it seems like in WCW, it was more of a, you know, you hear the phrase inmates running the asylum. You know, there's everybody's just kind of partying. Kevin Sullivan even passed out in the back at one point. But, you know, under Vince's watch, especially with the quote unquote click being so close with him and having his friends up there outside of Kevin Nash with him, would, if these addictions and demons started rearing their heads, would it have been caught early enough to get him the help that he needed? Probably so. I mean, if you think about it, you had, you had Triple H, Shawn Michaels, what, X-Pac, you know, one, two, three yep. kids, Shawn Waltman, and then you had, you know, Razor Ramon, Scott yeah. Hall. And it, Each night they would go out, but one of them would usually rein them in, and Triple H, being somebody who didn't drink, was a good person to do that plus you had vince mcmahon keeping a close watch over everyone it was more than likely going to be caught before it got out of hand absolutely and we would probably still have scott with us today it's a it's a very strong possibility but i think the biggest thing is and we we've seen it too especially in recent years whether the guys are with the company or not wwe and vince mcmahon have been very big about trying to extend and offer help to those that have needed it whether it's been rehab multiple times or just once to help them get their head straight and get clean. He's been very big about that, and I don't have any doubt in my mind, especially with how close the click was with him, if it was needed, that they would have gotten Scott the help oh, that absolutely. he needed. absolutely. They had Vince's ear back yeah. then. Anything they needed, Vince would have given them. But, you know, in saying that, too, I we could go down a whole rabbit hole on that, but... Let's let's keep it on a positive note a little bit because, you know, even with that, he is probably considered one of the best guys that never held a world title. Oh, definitely. You, you have to wonder, too, like, had his addictions and had his demons in WCW not been an issue, would he have gotten that big run with the big gold? Or had he stayed in WWF, would he have finally climbed the ladder to the top? Because, you know, talent is undeniable. Oh, no doubt. And I think that answer is yes no matter which way he goes. Yeah. If he stays in the World Wrestling Federation back then and gets the push, he's probably winning the belt. I would have said SummerSlam 96. He and Sean. Yeah. Or, better yet, Survivor Series 96 versus Sean. Same building as the WrestleMania 10 ladder match. Do the exact same match for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Very nice. I didn't even think about that. And then it... Because, you know, again, the Vader experiment happened during that time, and for reasons everybody knows it didn't work, and they went to Sid. But I, I personally, I would have loved to have seen Scott Hall in that position had that been not a possibility. And, and if you look at Shawn Michaels' challengers in 96, he didn't have a true legitimate threat until he got to Vader and Mankind. Yeah. I mean, the British Bulldog was a was a threat, but not three times in a row. Yeah. And I think, did he... He defended against Goldust, too, right? He did have a match with Goldust, I yeah. believe. Yep. Yeah, that... But, I mean, they, they were all credible challengers. They were all great workers in their own right, too. But when it comes down to it, it's just a matter of whether or not, you know, like, it makes the champion look better and it makes the title look better on the other side. But when you have somebody that could go with Sean or really go with anybody of any size and any talent skill on the roster... Razor, Scott Hall, whatever you want to call him, would have been that guy because you've seen him work with a guy like Diesel. You've seen him work with a guy like Taker. You've seen him work with a guy like Jeff Jarrett, Bret Hart. Uh, he wrestled Jeff Hardy. Yeah. I mean, like, you you name it, he worked with them, and he made the matches good. He knew all about psychology. He knew what to do in working these enhancement matches 
where you know you don't just beat the guy up, you grab a hold so it gives the, the commentators a chance to tell more about you and put you over and give you more spotlight. He was just so great with what he, he did. He was so methodical with a squash match. Absolutely. It wasn't just go in, get your stuff in, and be back in the locker room in five, six minutes. Yeah. It was, you might work five, six minutes worth of stuff, but it's going to take about 10 to 12 minutes to get there. Yep. And it's, it's all storytelling. And just, again, a little peek behind the curtain for everybody. You want what you do in the ring to be understandable and believable to the crowd. Because if I'm punching somebody 10 times, they're not going to know what reaction or what punch to react to. And they're also going to start to wonder, well, hang on, why is that guy not bleeding? You know, it's like you want it to make sense. You don't if you can get one good punch as opposed to ten just quick little rabbit punches, it, it or if you can get a kick to the knee as opposed to doing a three sixty flip off the top onto somebody, which is the crowd gonna relate to more? It's the kick to the knee. Yep, exactly. It's all about the psychology and the basic storytelling of it. And Scott was a master at that. And you could tell by the stories that people talk about with him that he just, he had this down to a science. Yep. And it was just, it, it came naturally to him. Yep. He was just a natural talent. He's the equivalent of, in, in baseball, anybody that knows baseball, there's a five-tool player. Mm-hmm. He's basically that in professional wrestling. He had the look, the skill, the ability to talk, and the mind. Yep. To think bigger picture. And he not just for him, but for everybody. And he was that guy that broke barriers where we, we've all seen some of the stuff he wore as Razor Ramon. Some of the outlandish flower shirts and bright yellow or bright pink pants, whatever. Again, like I said with his Canadian tuxedo that he wore when he came back to WCW, you'd see somebody else wearing that. You'd make fun of them. You'd think they were absolutely out of their mind. But when you see Scott Hall wearing it, it's cool. Plus the hair. Yeah. The hair plus the little bit of hair down in his eye, the toothpick. The spooky fingers, all of it. Yep, it uh, it beats the uh, the big Magnum PI mustache and the cowboy hat for sure. Oh, for sure. But yeah, just like it, it's so amazing to think like what could have been had he stayed in WWF as opposed to making that jump to WCW. These guys would have still been working on, you know, like a hundred fifty dollars a night at a show. An opportunity as opposed to a guaranteed downside contract. Oh, for sure. And then he might. He might have eventually still got fed up if Vince McMahon wouldn't have acquiesced and given him fewer dates or given him a chance to rise up the card and make more money. You can make the argument, too, that if he's not getting fewer dates, that his body's going to break down. With a guy that size, it's very possible. Sure. And especially if you're traveling up and down the road as much as they were. There were, what, 300 days a year? That's that's asking a lot. It really is. 6'6", 275. Yep. And then on top of that, too, it also begs the question... Would WWF have eventually gone by the wayside because they hadn't been forced out of the cartoony occupational, you know, gimmick characters like a pl- like a plumber or a hockey player or whatever? You know, like had WCW and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash not brought that factor of blurring the lines into everything, would Vince McMahon have been forced to get out of what he had been doing? Probably not getting out of it, but it wouldn't be the billion dollar company that absolutely it is now. it's probably not publicly publicly traded it's probably not getting the huge tv deal with nbc and fox it's probably a regional you're gonna see it on saturday night at 
9 or 10 o'clock. Absolutely. And then on top of that, too, who's to say that WCW would have even lasted as long as it did? Because, you know, it's no secret people within the Turner organization hated wrestling. Despite the fact that the man up top that wrote the checks, Ted Turner, loved it, people inside the company of, you know, Turner, CNN, whatever it was, everybody hated having wrestling, you know, under that umbrella. They didn't get it. No, they didn't get it. And had Scott Hall and Kevin Nash not jumped over, would these, you know, would that company have lasted until 2001? Probably not, because they'd spent all that money on what, Flair, Hogan, Savage, yep. Piper. Guys who were on their way out anyway. Yep. So it's probably in the same situation where it lasts maybe around the same amount of time, but doesn't have the popularity it did. It's Absolutely. probably It's probably a company that's in the red most of their yep and then truth be told unless you found a niche like ecw wrestling probably wouldn't have become the cool thing that it was then and what led to a lot of us becoming fans now no and i mean you think about it with wcw poaching guys eventually Mm -hmm. they went and got all those cruiserweights from ecw yep they went and got the guys from the wwf and they start spoiling the wwf yep that doesn't happen Nope, it doesn't, and it doesn't give the opportunity for more places for people to work either because, especially for guys on the independents, if there's only one player in town and they don't want you, where do you go next? You go home. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, because it's, it's a very cutthroat world, but if you don't have somewhere else to go and get that exposure and make them want you if WWF is your ultimate goal, you're SOL. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it's crazy to say how much one guy jumping from one company to another impacted the wrestling business so much and how much of what has become mainstream pop culture and wrestling lore and popular, like just what's popular today and what still resonates wouldn't have even happened had Scott Hall not left WWF to make that jump over. Oh, there's no, there's no question. If he doesn't make that move. We don't get the NWO. We talked about that. We don't get DX. Nope. So you don't have a bunch of kids crotch chopping in school. Nope. You don't have them telling suck it. You don't have right. you don't pack. You don't have any of that. You don't have the attitude era. So you don't have Stone Cold Steve Austin being Stone Cold Steve Austin. You don't have The Rock. And then you probably don't have in WCW, probably don't have Goldberg. Mm-mm. It's, it's very crazy how this all pans out and it all comes right back to one person. And it's crazy how much he has impacted the business, you know, like with not only what he's done, you know, whether it was good or bad with his actions, but also with his mind and his psychology. Like he makes it seem like it's just second nature to him and he's able to pass that on to other other performers, help rejuvenate their careers and help them find new characters too. And the way he passes it on too, it's so so easy and so natural. I don't know if you watched where he went to a promo class in NXT. Yes, yes, I and did. And gave the advice to Apollo Crews to just be himself. Yep. Don't force it. Just talk like you normally would. Yep. And that's that's something that's come up on multiple interviews that I've done, interviews that we've done on Tales from the Haunt, where you have to bring authenticity to what you do. Because if it's not you... The crowd will pick up on that. They'll pick up that you're not comfortable doing it. They'll pick up that you're not having fun doing it. So why are they going to want to be involved in anything you do? Exactly. You've got to buy into it. If you don't buy into it, they won't buy into it. Exactly. And anything with Scott Hall, you bought into. Even the Razor Ramon character, which, I mean, that character is Razor Ramon thanks to Scott Hall. Yep. Because Vince McMahon didn't know what Scarface was. Nope. 
probably still doesn't, to be honest with probably, you. But. Probably not, pal. But because of Scott Hall, Razor Ramon became that Tony Montana-style guy. Yep. But he bought into it so well. He was like a method actor yes. with it. And then he just is himself in WCW and pretty much the rest of his career. He's just himself. He's just Scott. That's it. That's it. And I mean, to this day, he still has a legacy that has impacted so many people. And so many people are still fans of his. And personally, just, I have not had a bad experience in the few times that I did get to meet him. I've shared the story about, you know, like him taking the time to talk with me in the back at a wrestling show and talk about the posters that they had hung up or about different guys that he knew and different stories about him or even stories about my original trainer, Tony Falk. And he was literally one of the nicest guys and one of the most giving people that I've ever met. I've heard stories from other people that have had to pick him up from the airport. He wouldn't let them pay for anything. You know, he was... He was a troubled person because he didn't, you know, he had demons that he had to confront. Can't you can't fault somebody for that. But, you know, granted everybody has their dark side. Everybody's had their their issues, but this was a guy that despite all his struggles, despite the shortcomings some people may say, this guy revolutionized professional wrestling. He rejuvenated the career of one of the biggest icons in pop culture and professional wrestling with Hulk Hogan. He made wrestling cool again and he was the most searched term on the day that he died on Google search. So that just shows you how much of an impact one person can have. Well, not just that. He was a trivia question at many of the restaurants that do trivia the week after he died. Absolutely. So I mean, that's, that's a huge impact on pop culture and just society. Very true. And I mean, it, it's crazy to say, too, how much of this stuff may not have happened had he not made that jump. And that's what it all comes down to. And, you know, I hope with this topic that we've kind of done it justice for what, you know, just what it could have been. Because if we'd really done a serious, thorough, deep dive, you know, and dissection of everything, we'd probably be going four hours from now still about at, all at that. At least. But, again, that was just kind of like the intention of this show is just kind of painting a, a broad picture of how things may have changed had this one event not occurred. So I think just out of respect and out of tribute at the time we're recording this, with Scott's death being so recent, it seemed fitting to make him the most, you know, make him the inaugural topic because he is something that, again, ignited our fandom and just made wrestling cool. And again, without him making that jump, it may not even be what it is today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've discussed how we got into wrestling. But for me, when I saw Scott Hall, when I found Scott Hall, I was like, this guy is cool. Yep. With the toothpick. And you've seen me walking around with a toothpick hanging out like I did. Yep. You know, flicking the toothpick at people, doing little spooky fingers and everything. I mean, yep. That guy was cool. And it made wrestling cool. It did. And it made it cool to be a wrestling fan. But now, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and let you in on a little secret for what's cool here now. If you haven't already, it would be really cool... And yeah, I'm talking to the little man listening. If you would go and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Because we're going to be coming back with more Wrestling with Hypothetical episodes. Uh, I can already tell you right now, our next topic is going to be William Regal. And what if he eventually got his run as the World Heavyweight Champion or even the ECW Champion when WWE had that big push behind him around 2007 to 2009? 
there's a lot of things to unpack there too. So if you like this, or if you just want to hear about interviews with other wrestlers that I've had on the show, or actors, voice actors, teachers, you name it, I've talked to them, go get subscribed now. If you're into all things spooky, go subscribe to Tales from the Haunt, and just keep up with everything we're doing. Like, subscribe, share, get on social media, leave those five-star reviews, and just tell everybody you know about this show and get the word out there. And I hope you've enjoyed this inaugural episode of I Know You Hear Me Presents Wrestling with Hypotheticals. And like I said, get used to this guy's voice because you're going to be hearing a lot more of Chris on the show too. But I think we've done uh, the what if with Scott Hall justice for tonight. What do you say? I would say it's uh, too sweet. I can agree with that. And I can't wait to talk to everybody again next week. So for myself, for Chris over here, for Jeff working his wizardry on the engineering stuff, you know, behind the curtain that I that goes right over my head. We all thank you here for tuning in tonight. And we can't wait to talk to you again. And I will be back with you all next week for another awesome episode under the regular format. But until then, be kind to one another. Go out and do some good in the world. Have some fun. Go back in the archives and listen to all those episodes that we got lined up for you. And we'll talk to you again next week. And I know you hear me. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.